The All Black Podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black become the best-run teams in sport. To listen to this episode and all the All Black Podcasts, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. and welcome to the All Black Podcast, powered by SAP. First All Black squad has been picked for this season, and they're actually here in the Bay of Plenty, getting put through their paces by Fozzie and the team. I'm about 100 metres away from where they're going to be training over the next couple of days, a little bit warmer, up in the club rooms, and I've grabbed one of the All Black's longest-serving members. Welcome to the podcast, All Black's manager, Darren Shan. And as I sort of said to you just before, Shandy, do you... Are you the longest serving manager there's ever been? Do you know how many test matches you've been overseen, mate? Do you know this stuff? Um, I don't know if I'm the longest serving. I'd have no idea. Um, so I think historically, it was always like board members that used to be the manager, you know, way back in the day. They just uh, point themselves, I'll go on that yeah, trip. It's probably, yeah, <laughs> probably was actually. My first mentor was a guy, John Sturgeon, who was actually the former New Zealand Rugby Union president. And he, he was the manager when Grizz Wiley was the coach. And he said, oh, it's changed. He, and when he was a president, he actually came on tour with us, which was actually really yeah, was great for me because he had first, was one of the first people I met when I got asked to be a manager. And uh, he said back then, oh, all you have to worry about is the beer and the jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> and then he came on tour with us. He said, oh, it's changed a bit, you know? Yeah. And uh, it has. But I think, I'm, uh, I think I'm getting up on close to 250 test matches, I think. 20 years, 250 test matches. That is a heck of a shift. Like, that is amazing. Do you actually... Do you give yourself a little bit of time every now and again to reflect on that? Or is it just no, I'm literally not that, jobs I'm not on? I'm very reflective. I'm very much like what's next sort of person. Yeah. So, um, oh, well, what time, you know, there'll yeah. be a time when you do. And probably this year, given that I've, you know, that I'm finishing, um, you, you, you can't but help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at times, think about it. Totally. But, um, yeah. Mate, what a shift. But look, as I said in the intro, look, we've just had our first All Black squad for the year announced, and it's a World Cup year, so there's even a little bit more interest, you know, when we announce that first squad for the year. What's your role in that, mate? Like, are, are you on the phone? Are you, are you a part of that process and letting some of the players know or not know, or are you just literally um, putting the names together and then sorting out the process on, on when that's done by the various people? Bit of both. Yeah. Um, I have the great privilege of ringing some of the players that have made it, yeah. which is... Uh, Fozzie gets to ring those that haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely get the um, the good side of the, the draw there. Um, and like that, that's pretty cool, eh? Like um, even uh, for guys that are, um, have done it before, you know, it's um, like this week, like I rang, I was talking to Richie Myinger, you know, and he said, yeah. oh, he said, oh, you should have seen like Dallas, you know, yeah. you should have yeah, seen yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Tarmody, you know, and like yes. you just said it. As soon as you see them, you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah, that is, you know, yeah. that's important. Um, yeah. She had a story back in, I think it was 2007, Brendan Leonard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Why can't I? Yeah. And um, I, I had the privilege of ringing him to say he'd made it. And um, we supposed to have spoken for like 20 minutes, probably mostly me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like my phone rang like 10 minutes after I'd rang him. And he goes, Darren, can you tell me everything you said after you told me I was picked for the All Blacks? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally. It was like, it was classic. You know, yeah. I told him about where he had to be and all this, and he'd just, just gone over the top, you know? So. Mate, how good is that? They must be, you know, like you say, when you do get the time to reflect, that, that's some pretty special yeah, moments, aren't cool. they? Like they are good. Um, when you, yeah, when you, see, when you see what it really means, you know. Yeah. Um, actually, in my very first season, probably one of the most emotional sort of jersey presentations was like Norm Maxwell and yeah. Anton Oliver had sort of come back in. And like just to see like, like, tears, like, you know, yeah. visible 
heavy duty tears from yeah. both of those two coming back, grizzled veterans, but you know, two of the hardest nuts to wear yeah, the jersey. Yeah, that's right. And they were just like so, just meant so much to them. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, pretty privileged to sit beside that at times. Mate, very, very cool. Um, a few warm-up questions like we do with everyone we get on the podcast. Um, we ask this for all the players, administrators, yep. coaches. Yep. Who was your favourite All Black growing up? Probably Sir Michael. Oh, you beauty. Yeah, love yeah. Sir Michael. Yeah. Uh, love him now, he's a great man. Yeah. But yeah, he was, as much as Jonah was pretty special, Michael just, yeah, he was an extraordinary athlete, eh? And uh, 87, he was probably the, he was the big, he was the big deal then. You know? yeah. um, I just loved how he played, eh? Just fearless and... It's just such a he was just such an athlete eh? he was just he was actually beautiful to watch you know like yeah. he just magnificent a graceful athlete wasn't he like yeah. but actually so brutal on the same yeah um, which and, is and a graceful person you yeah know, as well such a attribute of our pacifica people isn't mm. it that they can be yeah. um so kind and so generous and then so yeah. brutal yeah, yeah, <laughs> on the footy field like it, it's an amazing thing and and um you know is First job, like I can't imagine you doing anything else, Shandy. Like twenty oh. <laughs> years, like with the, you know, the kid on, yep. like organising us. Like, do we, did you, you know, were you born a manager or did you actually do something else first, mate? Uh, no, like probably the first real job was a, I was a whitewater rafting guide. How good down in Queenstown, <laughs> um, and yes, that was my summer job. And in the winter, I was a ski instructor. So yeah, it was quite a different pathway to yeah. rugby, really. Um, and yeah getting firstly into rugby was via sort of a, the business side of things rather than managing. So I'd never managed a team when I first started managing the Canterbury NPC team in 1999. So God, a couple um, of years of professionalism and you're, and you're managing one of the one of the first yeah, teams. Yeah, um, and, you know, sometimes life just lays out, you know, good luck for you. Um, <laughs> the year after that, Robbie Deans became the Crusader coach. He was yep. the Crusader manager. So I just stepped into that role and... Um, so yeah, yeah, just very fortunate, really. Um, oh, there it is. Mm. But we always ask all the players this: like, do you remember when you were named in the All Blacks? Do you remember receiving your jersey? Those really big, iconic moments for a player. Like, mm. do you remember getting the phone call and saying, like, Shandy, you're going to be All Black manager now? Like, and and sort of what emotion came over you? Like, you know, what is what is that like for yeah. um, basically administrationally mm. a pinnacle job? You know? Yeah. Well, um, I guess I'm not I'm not like that young kid who aspired to this. Like, I never had any idea what I'd do you know um, <laughs> yeah. I think from about year about 12 years old I wanted to be a phys ed teacher and so I went to university and studied phys ed but quickly realised I didn't want to be a teacher uh, so I went down to Queenstown and basically you know played sports as a job for, <laughs> for 10 or so years but um, yeah it was funny um, thinking about um, that when the All Black role came up I, I, I just wanted to be sure that I was right for it you know yeah. um, and I didn't want to, because it was quite a big public thing. It was on the back of 2003 World Cup. Yes. And they wanted to restructure it. They wanted the manager to have probably a bit more influence um, and almost, you know, level pegging with the coach and work together more. Right. Particularly as the game had got bigger and there was a lot more off-field responsibilities. Um, so I remember there was a, a number of names bandied around, you know. Um, not me. <laughs> <laughs> number of former All Blacks. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought, well, I'm not going to waste my time if, if it's just going to be a you know a done deal and you have to be a former All Black to get it, so I rang the panel oh. and just said, look, I mean, what are you looking for? And that, that gave me enough encouragement to yeah. apply. And um, through a reasonably long um, process of, I think I had three interviews. Um, wow. But the second one, they, the chairman of the panel said to me, oh, I just want to make an apology. I said, oh, what for? He said, well, 
Um, it was leaked in the paper today who the you know, three candidates were, and so two former All Blacks and Darren Who. Who were they? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was Andy Hayden and... Uh, was it Andy Dalton, maybe, I think? Oh, wow, yeah. okay, a couple of big former All Blacks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, uh, so I said to the panel, I thought it was one of those days I needed to be brave, um, and I said, well, you know, I talked to all of you, you know, before I applied, and you told me that being a former All Black wasn't necessarily a key criteria, but, you know, obviously part of, you know, knowing what this team's about. Um, but now you've just confirmed it, Um Surely I've got the job because neither of them have managed anything team before or have professional experience. And I just sat there like and the drips of sweat went down my back of my suit. You're like, oh, have I said the wrong thing here? Chucked a yeah. bomb in there, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I just had to be brave because I thought that would be one thing. I'm naturally quiet, a little bit introverted, and just sort of need to just show that I, there is something deeper inside me, you know? Yeah. And uh, I left the room. We, I guess I said, oh, I guess we finished because there was not much said. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out, sat, and I was, sitting at, I was sitting at reception waiting for my taxi. And um, one of the panelists, DJ Graham, Legend. former All Black captain, coach, um, Black Caps manager, he walked past and he just winked at me. <laughs> he just, like, I, you know, I knew, I knew DJ, and he's a very you know, black and white man, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, then I got the call and. Um, it was, yeah, uh, that first match was Dunedin, England. Yes. I think we won very... they just won the World Cup the year before, hadn't That's they? right, yeah. We, we had a pretty strong performance. I think we won about 36-0 or something like that, 36-3. Um, but, yeah, no, um, yeah, just... Gosh, that was a long, lot of tests ago. <laughs> eh? I know it was at Carisbrook. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but I don't remember too much. And I remember it was cold, but that's probably standard for oh, Carisbrook. Mate, yeah, you've got like 21-year-old McCaws and Carters and, and you know, guys yeah. who are now, you know, fathers and, and don't play for the All Blacks anymore. Like, that's literally yeah. how long ago that was. John so. Gibbs, I think. That was maybe Absolutely. his first, first crack. Xavier Rush at eight. Xavier Rush, that's yeah, it. Yeah, it is, yeah there was, Carlos was still around at that stage. <coughs> totally. So, yeah, different. Mate, that's awesome. Um... We ask this of almost every guest. Mm. Any three guests, guests to dinner, alive or dead, and why? Um, Steve Jobs. Brilliant. I like the... Like, I've never been a creative person. Yeah. And um, I, I love entrepreneurial, creative people. Um, in my Queensland days, I worked with AJ Hackett, Bungie. And oh, um, wow. that was early on. And like they were massive risk takers. Not only that everyone thought they were doing something that was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous... <laughs> But it wasn't safe, you know, and yeah. it actually was incredibly safe. But what I learned was, like, when you're in business, um, where the risk really sits, you know, like I'd always been a worker and you go, oh, they're not paying me enough and all that. Yeah. And it just it flipped me the other way, thinking, well, actually, they've put everything on the line here, yeah. you know, and it's all on them. Um, so, and I, and I just like that, you know, prepare to take a risk, be creative. I liked sort of how Apple, everything's so precise, you yeah. know, which sort of sits with the manager, you know, everything's precise and it's... Most rec recognised brand in the world. Design surely. was so cool and yeah, um, so simple. You know? Totally, yeah. just clean. You know? <laughs> yeah, loved it. Um, I don't know what you know. I don't know what sort of person is, but I just love that creative genius. Yeah. Um, probably Barack Obama as as a leader. Like just just love what he stood for. Um, he was so different. Like I find politicians are they're good at telling you what the others aren't doing, but they're not so good at telling you what. They can do. That's and, a whole other podcast. But he just represent. Yeah. He just stood for himself, you know. You <laughs> yeah. Know? And just who he was and what he believed in, and um, he was black American. Yeah. And first I love ever. All that. Yeah, yeah, first ever. You know, and uh, I love firsts. You know, yeah. like we love firsts in this team. Totally. So I love that about him. And um, probably third of it, like a muso. I'm, I sort of 
tossing up between Madonna and Elton, you know, just <laughs> yeah. just crazy people that but are just yeah, so both out there. Both crazy, so, mate. Yeah, both going to bring you know? the party. Totally. Yeah. And just just am, amazingly talented, you know, in yeah. their own rights. Um, quite different from, in a different way from sports people, you know. And um, again, I just, yeah, I'm just, like Elton, is just, it just blows me away. I could just sit down there with a stack of words and create something, you know. Like it's just, yeah. it's mind-numbing, eh, that oh, he can just do that, you know. Mate, it's, it's unreal how some of the greatest songs are created, isn't it? It just mm. it blows your mind to think. Yeah. Right, we're at this party, Shandy, um, and from all the players that you've overseen over 20 years managing yep. the All Blacks, yep. um, who's cooking at this party? Yep. Um, who's on the music? Yep. Who's on security? Yep. And who's telling the stories and the jokes? Um, well, joke teller. <laughs> the only player I've ever seen usurp Steve Hansen, <laughs> Whopper. Is that right? Jamie McIntosh, yeah. Oh, he silenced, he silenced him on the bus. Oh, how good. And we were playing Munster that game, when was that, in 208 oh. or something, I think? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, he silenced the last word, Steve Hansen, on the bus. He got the last word in on he, the last word, Steve Hansen. He did, yeah. Yeah, good. Telling that. a story, it was very good. <laughs> um, um, what else have we got? Cooking. Who's cooking? Cooking. I know Foz is a good cook, but maybe from the, the player yeah, group. Yeah, no, Foz does cook pretty well. He loves his Italian. He does. Yeah, he goes well. The playing group. Um, no one really springs to mind, eh, in terms of cooking. Um, like the Pacifica boys and the Māori boys are yeah. pretty good at putting down the hangi or the, yeah. or the other totally. pizza. They were, they were, they're probably the ones I go for. Yeah. Um, On music, who's DJ? Music. Um, well, we had a lot of very yeah. poor music committees, <laughs> I must say, you know. <laughs> It's almost very um, important. You know, when you sit at the front of the bus and you've got to put up with the <laughs> from the back, you know. It's like, but, you know, like, um, we had to actually, one year, bring Ben Smith from the back of the bus to the front to teach them how to be the music committee, to actually yeah, right. get everyone singing along, yes. some real bangers, you know. Yeah. Bender, yeah, every day. Yeah, I love just that. I, tremendous, tremendous. I reckon he would love that. That's awesome. Yep. And finally, who's on security? Kev Mialamu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just rock. Um, yeah. There's no getting beautiful, through there, is there? No getting through. Beautiful man. But he'd be polite when he turns them he away, would, wouldn't he? He would, and he'd just he'd get them out. They'd, no one would say no to him, you know? <laughs> They'd, time to go? Oh, okay, Kevy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's a goat, you yeah. know? So, yeah. yeah. He's a beautiful man, isn't yeah. he? Um, best thing you have watched, read, or listened to him, why? And the reason I ask you is I just imagine so much time on the road, you know, like mm. flights and hotel rooms, and, and yep. surely you've consumed some good stuff over the years. Yeah. Um, if I just had to pull it to one, I'd probably just go more on the book that probably most influenced me in this role and probably helped me understand leadership and what teams are about is a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Oh, wow. It's written by a guy called Patrick Lenzioni. Um, and you know, just, it's a, a very simple model about how great teams are built on people trusting each other and being vulnerable first. Right. And then you build everything from that. And, um, and at the very top of this, he uses a triangle. At the very top, it's all about, um, you know, the team, team usurps the individual, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, it was just a really, such a simple philosophy, but um, there's some beautiful stuff in it, just cues, things you can use. I remember part of it is um, having really good conversations that are robust and that yeah. you challenge stuff, and to sometimes have those and start them is quite difficult. Yeah. But one of the cues he used was, was can I enter the danger? Wow. And um, I remember when I started with Sir Graham, you know, I was so scared of him. Eh? Like, <laughs> I was like petrified. Every, every conversation was yeah, interesting. I was always like, you know, Ted, can we have a word? Yes. And, you know, he's got that upside down smile, yeah, you know, yeah, you're never totally. quite sure if he's happy or sad. Yeah. And uh, I go, can I enter the danger? And he'd, he'd sort of crack a little smile and right away we go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a, like a huge, to this day, like I think 
I think I'm not sure who introduced it to us, but I, I think I read it back in 205. Yeah, cool. And to this day, I still I love the principle of it. You know, yeah. like it's very powerful. Oh, yeah. mate, I'll be into that. Look, I want to get to the here and now, Shandy. Like big old year, yep. um, you know, World Cup year, and and like give us the the warts and all nuts and bolts. What does it take to get um, what what is it? 33 players and yep. however many extras yep. um, from here yep. and NZ. Yep over to the World Cup in yeah. Paris. Like, what's the lead-up? What what's required there? Um, so I guess in terms of our role, we've been working with the, organ the local organisers probably for four years. Yeah. So, um, and so yeah, I guess what you have is you have a group of people who, who start four, you know, four or five years out and they, they've got all these deadlines they want met. So it's, it's got its own peculiarities. So it's quite different from us owning all our preparation ourselves. We're kind of at the behest of a whole lot of rules and uh, so we've got a and also got to realise that they treat all teams the same. So you right. can't have anything better than anyone else. And, yeah. and so once you understand that landscape, it's fine because you just go, okay, well, I know the playing field and I know where I can work and where I can play in it. Um, one of the big shifts they made this year was telling all the teams that they have a team base. So that's not normally been yeah. the way. Um, we've always kind of had the freedom to decide where we want to go in the country and prepare. And whereas this year they said, no, you've have three choices, they're in this region, choose one of them. All oh, right. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that was that. Yeah. Kind of um, makes your job easier yeah, in some it ways. Does, yeah, <laughs> so I had like three choices. Two of them I'd discounted on my first read, and so I was down to one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's worked out well. So, uh, yeah, so we're basing ourselves in Lyon and um, built a nice partnership with the town. Yeah. Um, and what do you learn in France around towns and rugby is two people you need to know one is the mayor <laughs> if you've got the mayor on side nothing's a problem and number two is the president of the rugby club right if you got him on side nothing's a problem so um, they've become my new two best friends right i Leon. expect to see in some imagery of them in an all black top or <laughs> yeah, something yeah. Oh, like. yeah, that's all that's all happening yeah um yeah so i guess just year on year you get a bit more added to it and you just keep adding layers to it um and yeah i've probably had four or five visits yeah. um and I guess in, the, in their own way, the French do things differently from us. So um, I'm not, I'm used to that now. So I'm, it doesn't frighten me. Um, but it does mean I probably go a bit more often over there to check on things and see it firsthand. I just went there last week to look at the grass. Yeah. So I was just, yeah. <laughs> three months ago, the grass looked terrible. And I was like, well, we're going to train on this for five weeks. So it needs yeah. to look better. So I went back to make sure. And it had gone from a three out of ten to probably an eight out of ten. Brilliant. So yeah. I was, yeah, I'm, and it was just worth the effort of going. Um, the hotel manager that we're staying for five weeks just changed last week, so I wanted <laughs> to meet the new guy because that's yeah. also yeah. a pretty important relationship for us. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a big job. Um, you know, we what do we carry four thousand kgs of equipment around with us. We don't. We don't like to rely on anyone. We just like to know that we've got everything, everything we need. Over yourself, yeah. and then you got to ship it around. Yeah, we've got a philosophy that um, we take home on the road, oh, and so um, we've got to create home ever wherever we are. You know, so yeah. it feels like home, and so we can perform like we're at home. So, um, yeah. I ask you this question now. Um, one of the really unique things about the All Blacks is, in many ways, they don't have a home. There's no mm. training base. There's no Penny Hill Park. There's no, yeah. um, you know, like perhaps other other countries have, but also, mm. you know, like a Man U or a Tottenham mm. or a, yeah. um, a Richmond or, or yeah. something like that. They, yeah. they genuinely have homes and high performance centres in these places, yeah. but our home is New Zealand, mm. you know, or, or mm. like you say, you take New Zealand with you when you go away. Like, yeah. I think that's pretty special, you know, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Like, that's almost a, even though I could imagine some people may see it, like, to our detriment because, yeah. you're, you know, there is some comfort in having a, yeah. a home base. Like, it means that this week 
you're here in the mount, you know, mm. and, and tomorrow's a, an open session mm. and kids can come down even though the weather is crap um, <laughs> and, and see the lads train and, yeah. and because it's, it's our team, isn't yeah, it, you know? That's right. And it's always been, uh, and I think, yes, like anything, you can look at it either side of the coin. Yeah. And I I'm, I'm tend to be more optimistic and above the line than below. Um, and there's actually a, a mental value in just each week being somewhere different, you yeah. know, like new scenery. So there's no chance for it to be the same. Yeah. And, and high performance, that's quite important because it's quite easy to get just into a, lulled into a, another week, another week. But you've got to be able to turn that switch on and do things. So just even having a different environment each week is good. Um, and we've always philosophically felt important that we create that difference each week too. And um, for example, we don't use super rugby bases because oh, okay. yep. for that reason, we just want to make it an all black experience, not yep. a super experience, you know. Yep. Um, and even interesting around the world, a lot of teams, they're, if they're there the whole time, it, as you say, it does become, you know, like the French call their base cold, it's now, you know, because they just don't want to go there. Right. You know, and okay. so they're even them for the World Cup, they're not even using it. So, exactly. no. There so, um, yeah, I think. It's amazing how things cycle, isn't it? You know, like yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, having the home comforts, we all know that home teams do the best, but I guess our home, we've had to redefine what home is for us, you know. Yeah. Is it Eden Park? Is it Dunedin? You know, if it's that place, well, then it is home, you know, and let's make it home. Totally. Um, you started in 2004 and you talked a little bit around what that looked like when you first started but mm. like compare that to now you know like mm. how, how different is your role from when you started in near 20 years ago yeah. through to today 2023 off to the Rugby World Cup which is you know a multi-billion dollar tournament mm. um, and this team has grown exponentially and yeah. the things that is attached to it yeah um, well you just this year numbers have changed you know we were 12 staff we're now 24 <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. we doubled <laughs> I remember Steve Chu saying, oh, you'll have two buses one day. I'm like, no, we'll never have two buses, you know, <laughs> but we have. <laughs> um, but actually, I think we do we do it better with 24 than we did it with 12, Okay, if that makes sense. Like yeah. we just Not always the way to as well, isn't no, it? You know, like right. you've got actually Often more really doesn't right. make better, but if, if, if you set up really well and people really understand their role and what how they can best add value, it can work fine, you know, and people understand their, their piece of the pie. Um, what else has changed? Um... I think there's, you know, as the business has grown, then the demands on the team have grown, and yeah, so the commercial stuff. Sort yeah, of there's a, there's a like a, a tension, if you like, yeah. between that and the and the performance side. So, um, I guess we're like our cup is full in terms of what we can do in that business space while we're performing. Yes, you know, and so just getting that balance right is it's and always and challenging. Do you really play sort of that conduit between the two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm the meat and the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, I can imagine. I can imagine. And, you know, and I understand the commercial space, and and it's part of my role is to understand that and have yeah. relationships with the key people. But um, again, it's about finding the right solutions, being smart. Um, I always think, what's the win for you? What's the win for us? You know, how do we? And I've tried to educate them about performance so they understand. You know that okay, well, actually, no point having a dinner on a Thursday night before a test because yes. the boys just want to go home and get ready for that. But next week we have a bye. Yeah, they'll probably want to stay all night with yeah. their guests. You know, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. and so once you start to you know explore those sort of ideas, that uh, it changes. Um, I guess another thing that's shifted a lot for us is just security in the world. Like the, oh, the totally. world's not as safe as place as it was. Um, one of my security guards worked with an American rock band, and he was in London when the Westminster Bridge, you know, when they had the yes. terrorist yep. drove and killed yep. all those people, and they got locked down. And he came home and he said, "What would happen if that was us?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's a good question." So we, mm. you know, put a lot of time in thinking about that now and how we can be better prepared just in case, you know. And also um, too, like the 
you know, the brand has always been well known, but it's only mm. becoming more well known, and That's therefore, right. you know, yeah. um, potentially, yeah. um, you know, if you disrupt the team, then they'll see it um, as something really influential. Right. Yeah, so. And there's that constant, I guess, um, quests as we've been more successful for people to know what we do and how we do it, and yeah. so. Uh, again, there's a, there's a tension there, content versus yes. IP and yeah, you know, totally. what we share, what we what don't do share. What do we do, Shandy? Yeah, what <laughs> do we do? Totally, that is. People are, are so They always want to know and that, like, yeah. there's some sort of mystique about yeah, what we yeah. do. I mean, yeah, we're just yeah. a rugby team at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, we prepare our best and play, but there's some rituals and things we do that we probably think are best just kept in-house. And yep. you want people, when they come in, to have not seen that, you know, yeah, and, like totally. experience it for the yeah. first time. Um, Totally. I was just talking with Cam Roygaard today yep. about being named and being at home and how important that was for him. I said, yeah, I always, it's not Athletic Park under the grandstands, <laughs> but like I love the principle that you find out that way, you know, yes. rather than getting rung up and text or, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit old school, but yeah. in a new way, you know, contemporary way. So, totally. yeah, lots of changes. Mate, you hinted on a couple of things here, and it's um, something I want to ask you about is in your position... Um, as manager, whether it be um, looking at other sporting organisations, maybe at some of the commercial relationships that you've had to develop over the last wee while, must be some amazing sort of PD experiences. You know, you must have been oh, to yeah. some phenomenal places. And I actually, you know, I outside of all this, so but I, the reason you are having those opportunities is because you know it's a partnership and there's opportunities for people, our commercial yeah. partners, other teams to learn as well off, yeah. off what you do, off what we do. Mm. But you still must have been able to have the door open on some amazing places. Does anything sort of stick out? Um, well, I was at, just this year I was at a meeting in London with, so as part of our partnership with Ineos, we've set up this um, group called Ineos X. So all the sports that are part of the Ineos group have come together and said, how can we help each other get better? Yeah. You know, so you've got Mercedes Formula One. Yeah, heard of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Toto Wolf in the room. You've got Ben Sabine, Sabine Ainsley, the America's Cup yeah. Challenge for England. Yeah. Uh, you've got Sir Dave Brailsford, who's led the Ineos Grenadiers cycling yeah. program, British cycling. Yeah. Um, you've got um, the, the guy responsible for uh, Kipchoge, the marathon oh, wow. runner that broke two hours. Um, and Darren Shand. Eh? And, and yeah, Darren who? <laughs> so those King sort of opportunities. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Those sort of opportunities are pretty cool. Um, even just, I was thinking back, even in 04 we did a thing with Adidas where every week we had a, a special guest, you know, awesome. come in, an athlete, and um, we were in Rome and this Italian fencing guy came in, he'd won <laughs> a gold medal for fencing, and you're like, what? he was awesome, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. incredible. Um, same with, we had a rower come in, he was part of the Fab Four, the British crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, not so very great, but I think Rob Cracknell. Pinsent or one of those guys. Yeah, one yeah. of those guys, Cracknell, I think his name was. Oh, James yeah. Cracknell. So yeah. James Cracknell, yeah. And he was, like, just talking about the pain and you know like they know how to hurt those like guys I eh? sit down on that boat and I think am I going to go through that door and absolutely bust myself or am I going to just you know get through it um, very oh, cool um, yeah. Buckingham Palace mate well you can't you know yeah. a couple of trips there it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> met her uh, funny story there we uh, in 05 Lions toured in New Zealand yep. and William came out yep. on the tour and um, his people came to our people and said oh can he come and watch All Blacks training and we're like ah no he's good mates with Sir Clive you yeah, know we did yeah, not yeah. let him but he'd come and have lunch so he came into the hotel and had lunch and players kind of just had lunch and went you know and yeah. so I was left at lunch with him and Steve <laughs> Hansen and Ali Williams and we sat around for like two hours just chewing the fat and it was the awesome royal chat yeah. yeah then November we're up there when we got invited to the palace um, to meet the Queen and so I'm standing at the door with Tana Sir Graham and the New Zealand um High Commissioner, and um, we sort of look out the door in the green room waiting for Her Majesty, and uh, hear this sort of running down the corridor, look outside, here's like William like running down the corridor, like doing his tie up, you know, and he comes and he goes, oh, g'day, 
Graham, Shandy, Tana, um, is uh, is Nan here yet? You know, it was like it was just like such a cool moment. You know, it was just like just you know cut cut the tension. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots. That's of, pretty yeah. amazing access, isn't it? To lots see. Of, lots of um, oh four, in the tunnel in Alice Park, um, standing there with my little gear man post. We're at the bottom of the stairs. You have got this long tunnel out in Alice Park, and this golf cart calls in. I was like. Poss, that looks like uh, Nelson over there. And he goes, yeah, I think it is. So we, we walked over and uh, just immediately got swamped by these massive Ugandan bodyguards. Yeah, well, well, well. Um, but um, Mandiva just said, no, no, because he saw us in uniform and yep. we just got the chance to shake his hand. That, Great was, man. that was pretty special, yeah. Mate, that's so, amazing. Mm. I want to ask you this, and this is uh, it's a bit of a fun question, but like other managers, like do you mix? You know, like, do you chat? Like sometimes do you go, ah, how did that guy get his bus so close to the ground? Yeah, you know, like yeah. what's going on here? You know, like compare yeah. notes a little bit, and 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 even like this is such a, a club rugby thing, but and I'm sure it doesn't happen at that level. But like you know, get put in the crap changing room and get you know yeah, like yeah. the the bad sandwiches put out. You know, like try and stitch each other up and get those little yeah. those little things over each other. You know, does anything stick out? There's there? a bit of maturity now to international <laughs> rugby. <laughs> I'd be so. <laughs> but um, no, there's some good characters on the road. You know, um, the Welsh had a the Welsh manager actually worked with Steve Hansen. Uh, before yep. Steve came back to New Zealand, uh, a guy called Alan Phillips, former British Lion, hell of a fella. Just like you know, yeah. you need anything in the UK, you just ring Alan. You know, yeah, like right. he's totally got it wide, and but he'd certainly be chasing you when he was out here. You know, for things. Yeah. yeah. Um, South African boys have been awesome for a long, long time. Um, just rugby nations, aren't they? Those yeah, two, you yeah. know, like and they they kind of get it. And uh, the, there was a young guy who managed England for a while. He now then he went to Australian cricket, so oh. that was quite cool. So we got some good. Test cricket. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were playing rugby in Durban while they were playing cricket one year, so it was quite awesome. cool. Um, but yeah, like, I think there's a, in the end, you know, like small things where you can help each other out um, benefit both of you, like, and yes. it doesn't cost you the test or win you the test, you know? Yeah. And it's, and there's a bit of bargaining, you know, like, well, if you help me there, I'll help you at home and yes. um, give you the best of and not make sure. And it, like, even, best example, in South Africa, uh, we're in Joburg, um, and the bus driver for South Africa, his brother drove for us, and so we went out in the morning to jump on the bus, and it had a flat battery, so he rang his brother up, and said, oh, can we use the South African bus, and I rang up the manager, I said, oh, look, our bus is broken down, you know, do you think we could just grab yours, and yeah, no ten minutes later, they brought theirs around, and we jumped on their bus. Yeah, um, that's yeah, the so stuff was, you don't see, isn't it, you know, yeah, like that, that's quite good. Mate, highs, lows, and players. Let's start with the lows. Like, um, you know, pretty early doors in 207, yeah. you know, when you were manager for the team, and, yeah. you know, it's always referred to um, as, a, as a real um, focal point within all black yeah. history. Yeah. And I've heard you say before, you know, I think as it was already said, you know, winning can be a bad teacher sometimes yeah. and, and stuff. Like, talk from a manager's perspective, yeah. talk us, to us a little bit around the emotion of, of that tournament and, and yeah. you know, what you've learned from it since. Um, yeah, you're right. Like, the the blueprint for our failure there was probably the thing that helped us the most in 11 and 15, you know. Uh, even in going to Japan in 19, we sort of revisited what you do when you go offshore. So um, certainly some massive lessons learned uh, as a group. And, you know, luckily the board kept, gave Ted and Smithy and Steve another chance, you know. You must have been thinking at different times, mate, this, I might be done and dusted here <laughs> for a little bit, sort of yeah, two or three years into the job. I was job. lucky to be enough on, I was actually on the panel that interviewed them interviewed Graham again and had oh, to interview wow. Robbie which was wow. really challenging having worked with him too so yeah um, but it was good you know because we weren't that far off you know like yeah. um, a game that was you know for a whole lot of reasons pretty different so 
I say it every time, Shandy, I was there. I was in the stands, mate. <laughs> I was in the stands. It was tough, but... It was tough, yeah. yeah. And then I guess all the, the fallout from that trip, you know, the yeah. way we the way we acted and behaved afterwards and some of the trouble some of the boys got up to uh, just wasn't good. And just, like, the vitriol back home was actually... I couldn't believe it. Even still around Christmas, I went to a barbecue and one of my mates just had a real crack at me, you know? And yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's only sport voice, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Uh, 99 and 207 were... You know, they were big was, moments and tough, but, caused um, a lot of emotion. But, you know, you do, you know, um, through adversity you learn and um, we learn quickly. Yeah. So. And the point you're making is that even maybe not necessarily today, but you, you continue to reflect on it to try and learn from it, yeah, you know? Like, you have to, eh? Yeah. You know, because um, they, they, they leave indelible marks on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, yeah. You're right, like old... um. um What's his name from Microsoft said, you know, success is a lousy teacher. And like yeah. when you win so much, Bill Gates, yeah. Bill Gates, right? Yeah, when you when you win that often, you've really got to work hard at keeping winning. You know, it's actually yes. harder than see losing. There's an emotional connection to that, especially if you're in the All Blacks, because the expectation's so high. You know, yeah. And so you you want to get back up again. You know, you feel like you owe it to everybody. Um, but when you're winning, it's Mr. Complacency. You can just yes. sneak in in the littlest ways. It's like a little bit of sea fog just seeping around. And you're not sure. It's, you're, not, you're never quite sure if it's there or not. You, know? yeah. you feel like you've prepared well, but uh, it might be just a little off or someone hasn't done something. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, you certainly learn from those things. Eh? Mate, tell me, I was watching a test match between New Zealand and South Africa in 2013, and all of a sudden Darren Sham was on the field with his team. <laughs> list. What was going on there, mate? Yeah, no, well, it was... Uh, <laughs> A good old cut and paste era, that one. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit lazy. He's human. How good? Oh, How no. Good? Well, you have to submit a team sheet, and I got the wrong name. Uh, number 16 was supposed to be uh, Andrew Hall started. Kevi Mialamu didn't play, so it must have been whoever the other hooker was that day. I can't remember. Yeah. Dane Col- could have been Colsey, no, Colsey? Yeah. No, was it Colsey, not Colsey, it could have been. Mm. Might have been. Anyway. Nathan Harris um, or something, could have been, So yeah. someone ran, ran out that wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Sideline <laughs> officials. this guy? Sideline of, and I'm dealing with, actually, I think someone, Liam Messer might have just been Sinbin at that stage as well. So we're dealing with a yellow card as well. And I guess I got Steve in my ear. Um, and then I got called, the game stopped and Nigel Owens called me out onto the field. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I'm walking out, I can see the South African manager's, like coming out too because yeah. he knew I'd made a mistake and um, Richie's standing there with John de Villiers yeah. and by chance that year I'd been on a plane during the Super Rugby season to South Africa to do some work with John de Villiers and we sat next to each other and we ended up just having a chat got on really well he's a top lad isn't he like he's really a good man, man. top yeah. man top man and Nigel I've always you know given the refs respect you know like I've so. always you know please sir yes sir no sir um, so I'd always got on well with them and, and knew him. So, yeah, we just I just made it reasonably clear that, you know, it was just an error on my part and wasn't intentional. And, yeah. you know, I've, um, <laughs> first time I've done that in 150 tests or whatever. <laughs> yeah. you know? I remember. And, uh, and no, John, yeah, John was like, again. yeah, John DeVille was like, yeah, Darren wouldn't do that on purpose. And <laughs> Nigel, come on, let's play, boys. <laughs> this African manager's trying to get in there to yeah, say, come yeah. on, this is not right. But uh, Stoke it up. Yeah, but, it, yeah, that no, was, uh, um, I guess now you see... Um, I love it. I don't. I don't love it. But when you see in a sports administration era, yeah. they always bring up the list of everybody, and like I'm slowly, you know, dropping, dropping down, down the list yeah. a bit further. You know, not so oh, high. Not up bad, it. mate. Out of 250 yeah. games, not too bad. No. You're allowed one yellow card. No, well, actually, you know what? It, what it did show me, um, and the lesson from is, well, you know, especially in pressure, you need checks and balances. You know, and I, I didn't have any. You know, I just right. backed myself. Um, but now, you know, some sometimes you do. You know, you got to just have others have a check and make sure it's spot on. So. 
Mate, those were some of the challenges, and and you know, first I'll ask you about 211 because it was a home World Cup and the first mm. one we won, but uh, sorry, the second one we won, but it had been a while. Mm. Um, ask you about that from a management perspective, and also anything else that sticks out as sort of the real highs, because I mean, best seat in the house, really, don't you, Shandy, for a lot of things? Mm. You know, yeah. like um, you know, you, you're behind the curtain, mate. You know, mm. like which is like you say, so many people want to see what goes on there, mm. and, and you're you don't just see it, you're a part mm. of it. You know, there are a couple of things that. That, that stick in the mind is, is something real highs and it doesn't have yep. to be lifting a World Cup. And no, no. Well, I think in 11, the thing for me was, you know, the um, Jock Hobbs, bless him, you know, his whole, yeah. the whole idea of bringing it here was to, you know, unite a nation. And the day of the final, so we drove to Eden Park and they had that, what they call it, the fan route? Yeah, yeah. I remember, so, yep. And we sort of crossed part of that um, just as we came onto Ponsonby Road, turned right onto Great North Road, I think. Yep. K Road, um, and as we got to that corner, it was like masses of people all in black. They basically swamped the road, and the bus ended up in a, like a corridor only wide enough for the bus to drive down for like two city blocks with just masses of black people either side, like hackering and cheering. And like, I Shag's said, probably going, Come on, Shag. yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I had tears running down my cheeks, oh, so wow. like it was yep. like so emotional, like yep. it was so like, Wow, like we've really, we've not, you know, whether yeah. we win or lose, we've actually yeah. got the country united. and. I went home after the World Cup and you naturally you kind of you know you go yeah. down and I was just sitting at home and just flicking through TV and there was a Sky Sports Extra thing came on and it was someone had gone down to the cloud you oh. know where the the fan yeah, zone yeah, was totally. and they'd filmed no no um, talking they just filmed people's faces watching the final wow. and so it was like a little 15 minute short film and like, again it just like oh I was like wow it's just yeah. seeing the impact on people you know yeah. and uh, how like the last few minutes, how they were, and then like the joy afterwards, you know? And you kind of think, well, why do you do this? And it's like, actually for those, like yeah. you're giving the people the joy, you know, yeah. versus yourself. So um, yeah, that was a real... Um, Quite cool for you to see that though, way, eh? Because I yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. so much After. your, your head yeah, down, right. you know, you're, you're in, in the change room, you're with the team, you know, yeah, you don't necessarily mix with, you know, um, us out, out and about who are watching. Because we kind of, once you, when you're in there working, you're doing, you know, you're just yeah. like, and it, it doesn't, when the final whistle goes, we're still like the operational side. We're still work, you know. We're yeah. still things to do and yeah. things to sort, and uh, so you don't. You kind of just, you know, she's just constant, you know. Yeah. So when you do step back, it was that was kind of yeah, really special that one. I want to ask you a little bit about the players. Like you've, you know, twenty years. I I, mm. I can't. I have no idea how many um, players you've ever seen in that period, but mm. numerous. Um, you know, and it's a special team in the sense that it's just, um, it's so different to a whole lot of other environments in the mm. sense that majority of the team have all come through a similar journey or pathway, mm. schools and clubs and just playing it for fun because mm. dad played it, you know, drinking coke and chips at the club rooms on a mm. Saturday afternoon and eventually you, you come up through and you see these young men, mm. you know, mature and develop. You must have striked up some pretty special relationships over the years. It's almost, I can imagine, a part of what you did was almost pastoral, you know, like you're, yeah. you're doing the admin and the logistics and, and the business side of things, but like I'd imagine every now and again, you know, you have a chat with the lads and, and mm. they probably ask for a bit of advice and, mm. and, you know, talk a little bit about things that have got yeah. nothing to do with rugby, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's lots of, like what I love about the game and even I go back to the days pre-All Blacks, you know, Crusader days in that late 90s, early 2000s period, you know, that, that all that group of players stayed in the game, where it be in media or in coaching or whatever, yes. you know, and I love that about the game and whether you were... Like I ran into Norm Maxwell, you know, like <laughs> last year, and like he just wrote me, like literally five days ago, wrote me a note just 
like almost just thanking me for what I did back then, you know, from oh. those days, you know, and yeah. that's kind of cool because Maxie wasn't always the best of people either, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. a bit of trouble, but yeah, um, that, that's those are the things you remember. Um, I love guys whose story was like in and out, like like Mahanonu, for example, you know, he was yes. in and out, in and out, in and out, but where he ended up was like seriously in, seriously in, <laughs> seriously yeah. good, you know, and yeah. uh, he used to often come and um. Every now and then he'd come down to my room and say, you're working too hard, you know, he'd take me out and take me for a cup of tea and nice we'd just beautiful. talk about everything and um, I'd sort of interrogate him because he wouldn't talk up enough. He had all this great stuff in his head, but he wouldn't right. share it, you know? Yeah. And he was a leader. I said, you've got to talk up, man. You know, the, yeah. Yeah. You're the man, you know? You're yeah. the, for the Pacifica boys, you're the God, yeah. you know? So, you know, you've got to, you've got to say what you see and hear and, yeah. and so we'd talk and he... Uh, Another cool moment with him was when uh, Adidas wanted him to sort of be like the face of rugby, you know. And, wow. And, but he, he really needed to become a better human to do that, you know. And right. We, I mean, we were just sitting in Frankfurt Airport flying home <laughs> from an Adidas visit, you know. And, he, and we were just sitting there having a thing and he didn't say much. He just goes, hey. I said, yeah. He goes, I get it now, you know. Like, and right. It was just like yeah. it, just it all crystallised him, you know. Yeah. That, you know, if I, if I give a little here, I can get that, you know, and I can just be um, – so that, that was cool. Um, it's amazing. Like, you think – like you say, when he first came to the team, he was probably 20, mm. and then he, you know, was still on the team in 2015. Like, mm. just how much does did mm. we change over those mm. years? You That's know, right. like so yeah. you must see some amazing well, change and growth. You sit down with them later when they're yeah. sort of finished, and you hear what they've created for their families or whatever through rugby. You know, and yep. you go, "Wow, that's that's awesome." You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a you don't ever see you're in this brotherhood. You know, yep. you're in this sort of family, and whether you haven't seen them for a while or not, it just it just comes straight back to where it was, you know? Yeah, and uh, totally. it's, it's very cool, yeah. Yeah, good. Mate, you know, we don't want to get too sentimental, but you're on your last hurrah. You mm -hmm. know, there's only a few more months to go and, mm -hmm. and, and taking the team through to the Rugby Championship, which is in front of us, and through to the World Cup. But, like, what's next for you, man? You know, like, have you yeah. started to think about that? Like, um, you know, 20 years of your life, I think mm -hmm. I've heard you say before, like, your, your kids in particular, this is all they've known that Dad mm -hmm. does, yeah. you know? Like, have you put some thought into... The next stage, uh, yeah, given a little bit of thought, but um, like it's quite now is just like just be you know yeah. targeted, <laughs> laser focused on on it. But um, I think I, you know, I love I love sport. Um, had a real passion for all sport. You know, I don't rugby wasn't actually my game, but um, yep. there's lots of other sports that I'd call passion sports that I'd really love to somehow make a contribution to. Um, you know, I, I kind of learn a bit about my value as a person and what I can offer and how I can help and what I'm best placed to, you know, guide people with. And so I think there's a real role in coaching, mentoring, um, developing people, growing people. Like, I really love that space. And um, so, we'll, yeah, I've got a bit of time after to, you know, think about all of that. But um, that's what I think I'd like to like to do. And I really, I really want to sign off well here, you know. And yeah. um, it wasn't much for me when I started. And I really want to make sure that the next group have a really good chance to start. And as much as getting through the World Cup is also for me about handing... You know, passing the baton really well at the end of this year and um, making sure that Scott and whoever he has, you know, they're really well set up and they, they can be successful. Because I, I don't want to sit there as a fan next year and see them fail. Like, I want yep. them to I want them to do better than us, you know. Like, um, I remember saying to Richie after he finished, we sat down, I think we were in 2016 and we'd had quite a reasonable year, you know, after he left. And it's like, how good's that? He goes, oh, I'm so, pr you know, I'm so yeah. proud of that, you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what I want to feel too, you know. That yeah. We've left the place in good shape and it, it carries on, you know. Mate, I love that. I think it's a fantastic place to finish. Thank you so much for okay. your service for 20 years. Like, Thanks. good luck for Thank the you. remainder of 
um, of this year. Um, I have no doubt that you will leave no stone unturned um, and that the boys will be as best prepared as they possibly can under your guidance. So thank you, mate. Appreciate it. All good. All good. The All Blacks podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams of black be the best run in sports. Hosted by Rob Dunn in the Hargrave Street Studio. Produced by Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge, the podcast producers. Video editing by Mac Leesberg, graphics by Western Design, content advising from Andy Burt, and commercial manager for the podcast is Valeska Hoth. Follow the All Blacks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts.